This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Football Odyssey. This is your host, Aaron Harris. On today's episode, I'm pleased to welcome John McKeon, the CEO of American Football International. After completing his college football career, John pursued opportunities playing American football overseas that would kickstart his fascination with American football's global potential. John discusses his experience launching AFI, the appeal of American football abroad, and his insights on the growth and success of the sport's international endeavors. If you want to learn more about AFI and international football, I've attached the link to the AFI website and their social handles. And I strongly recommend you check it out and see what American football is like all over the world. If you enjoy the episode, subscribe and share. And let me know what you think on Twitter and Instagram. As always, thank you for listening. And now, enjoy the show. Okay, John McKeon, CEO of American Football International. How are you, John? Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Going well, man. Do you have a typical work day? Uh, as it comes to AFI, it's kind of uh, a little bit all over the place. <clears throat> I mean, right now it's with football happening all over the world in different places and my team kind of being all over the world. It's it's really <laughs> the moments I can steal throughout the day and the evenings. I have two young kids and and my wife and, and uh, you know, trying to manage your family and uh, your your businesses is, is a lot to do so i i wouldn't say a day's typical i try to um and i try to to just find time in the day that where i can sneak in as you know blocks and of time to get afi done as well as everything else i got going on what was the experience like during uh covid when a lot of leagues and teams were kind of disbanded for uh, the 2020 season. Like, how did you kind of approach filling the website with content? I, I mean, at first, I think just the news of how COVID was affecting each league and there's not necessarily like a unified uh, communications platform for uh, a lot of these teams and leagues. So a lot of, you know, outside of Facebook and Twitter or whatever, a lot of teams and would and players and coaches and, and other countries would find out about what was happening in each country as, as it regards to the leagues and the schedules from AFI. So initially most of our, our content was just fixated around, um, you know, what's cancellations, what, what leagues are trying to do to mitigate it, how it's affecting each country differently um, and then how that then therefore impacted each league uh, independently. Um, as we got further into COVID and more leagues were canceled and, and football was few and far between, we started a series of uh, Facebook um, videos, you know, live streams that we uh, broadcast, the, you know, we had invited people on and we just kind of initially it was about how COVID was affecting each country. because we have contacts obviously in China and Brazil and Mexico, you know, all over Europe. And so COVID was being experienced differently in each, each one of the markets that we, you know, have contacts and, and our team is in. 
so it was super interesting to find out like how each country was handling things differently, how each leagues were handling things differently, and uh, the different approaches to uh, COVID, you know, response. And then football picked up again in Europe in uh, August last year with Finland's league, and that's really when we kind of put our foot on the gas and started AFI TV, which has really taken off with uh, the live streaming uh, platform that we built and and the response has really been great. And it kind of gave us time to develop that and, and figure it out. So we really kind of accelerated during COVID, I would say. Yeah. There's certain, there's certain industries that were able to move forward without are not missing a beat, being being able to adapt. So I think that's definitely a plus for you guys. And now before we go deeper into AFI, can you give me a little bit about your background with football and how you developed a passion for the game and like what it was that drove you to it? So I used to I used to play I I played in college at NC State and then I played uh, well I would say I had, I had a cup of coffee in the NFL uh, back in 2006 uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, after that, you know, I, between injuries and you know, you know, the business of football, I bounced around to a few places. I played arena football a couple seasons uh, after that, and then. Um, Kind of, kind of found myself a little bit <clears throat> disillusioned with football and, and you know, a young man trying to figure out, like, what he's going to do after football is over. And uh, kind of out of the blue, when I was in that period of my life, I uh, got a call from a, <clears throat> a team in Finland. And I had not, you know, I'm 22 years old and have, having no idea that there was Finland. That's a, uh, there was football in Finland um, at that point. And I kind of you know, on a wing and a prayer, went over to play and didn't really expect much of it and was really super pleasantly surprised by the passion and, and uh, energy and interest in American football while I lived in Finland. And this is back in 2008. Uh, and from there, I kind of that opened my eyes up to the world of football outside the United States, which is a little bit larger and more, more I guess, more robust than people realize uh, in, in North America. And um, after that, I, you know, I had a great season in Finland. Uh, came back to the U.S. for a couple of months, and then immediately signed another contract with a team in in Paris, France, and uh, played another full season in Paris. Um, it was a it was part of like an international. We were, the club I was on, La Flash de la Courneuve, was part of a international club tournament at the same time. So not only did I get to play. Uh, all over France, but we were in this international tournament at the time called the Euro Bowl tor- uh, tournament, um, and played in. Mo- I went to Moscow. I went to um, Vienna. I went to Innsbruck, Austria, and we played teams from Germany and you know in Paris. And there was a lot of energy and and seeing the sport in even those other further places. You know, I just had more excitement around it. And and then, um, you know, after that, I ended up coaching for a, a team in Italy for uh, another season in 2010. It was a smaller club, a smaller experience, kind of, you know, I was trying to figure out my way and what I was supposed to be doing. And at the time, I realized that I didn't really want to coach and I wanted to fit, find out a way that I could kind of <clears throat> help support the growth of the game at a more macro level. And uh, when I came back to the U.S. and moved back to New York, I got a, you know, a normal 
a quote unquote normal job. And, but I was still really passionate and really interested about, you know, what, what I experienced in Europe and what I saw there and what I knew the future of the sport could be, but there was no place on the internet to find anything. You couldn't, you couldn't go. It was very hard to find good information about what was happening outside the United States um, in the sport. And I just, you know, basically taught myself how to build a website, taught myself a little web design and, and just started writing on my own and, you know, creating American football international out of nothing. And then, uh, that's, that's kind of like the root of it. When you were playing in Finland and Paris, were you surprised at all at the talent level? I mean, obviously I wouldn't expect them to be as good as they are over here, but were you surprised at how good the talent level was, or do you think it was kind of what you expected when you went and signed up? Um, I, I mean, I honestly had no idea what to expect when I first went over there. Uh, you know, it's hard to compare it to the, to a U.S. team. I mean, a lot of people like to try to say it's the level of a, you know, a D2 or D3, uh, even at the top levels of some of these countries. But, you know, that doesn't, I don't think that, you know, accurately uh, represents the experience because there's guys, I mean, first of all, you have a wide spectrum of, of ages on these teams, the guys that are, you know, 18-year-olds, you know, that would be playing in the high school in the U.S. that are playing on men's senior teams. And then you have guys who are, you know, 40, 40 plus that have been playing on the team, you know, 15, 20 years. And so <clears throat> I would say, you know, from a talent perspective, it was almost like if you didn't have all these uh, feeder systems and programs and, and money behind it in the U.S., what what the U.S. would have been. Um, because, you know, what, what kind of brings me back to why I think football can can be and eventually will be pop, as popular as it is in the United States everywhere else is that, you know, athletes are athletes no matter where you are and where you're located. It's kind of the the money and the investment in the game and the and the media and the uh you know the fans interest in it what kind of propels it or accelerates it or supports uh the kind of infrastructure that can support the the programs that build the athletes in the US and so you know to make your, to make a a long answer shorter um I thought the talent there was was great. I, I was impressed that these guys knew as much as they knew, and I had no idea that they were there. You know, especially when you get to Paris, and you have guys. I remember the guard next to me. I was I was a, a left tackle <clears throat> when they brought me in, and uh, the guard who played right next to me, we, was, we called him Bam Bam. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what the team called him, and he was a baggage handler at Charles de Gaulle Air, Airport. And this okay. guy, like 300 pounds, you know, athletic, like if he, if, but he was, he was older than me at that point. So I would say he was probably in his early thirties, but like if someone had seen him and got, got their hands on him, he's, you know, he's six, four, 300 pounds, you know, smooth, super athletic guy. And somebody had seen him and, and got him into a program, uh, you know, 10 years, 15 years earlier, like this guy could be playing, could have been playing in the NFL. <clears throat> yeah like whenever sometimes you'll hear about um like certain nfl players that came from like germany and things like that 
and you always kind of think in the back of your mind, well, there must be there. But like once you actually watch a game and see how some of the talent and some of the gameplay is just really as good as you're going to find in the U.S. It's like some college levels. It's really eye opening and it's like a wormhole that you kind of go into. And sometimes I kind of wonder, you know, with like the NFL Europe or like the World League of American Football, do that have like some sort of influence on getting people really invigorated about the game and kind of dedicating their time to that as opposed to maybe like some other sports that are popular in Europe? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the 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 NFL being on TV and and the accessibility to the sport in the U.S. at the top level really helps um accelerates you know what, what the potential what these guys see is the potential of of what they can reach and also just ex- general fan exposure to the rules of the game i mean american football is not the most simple straightforward game to an outsider and so the more exposure the general public outside the united states has to the game via tv the internet whatever you know it it's the learning curve is much less steep um and for players, I, you know, I think the talent that, like the volume and the uh, of athletes and the and the and the the competition that basically that you see in the U.S. that happens at the high school level and the college level, really, you know, spurs on these high high level athletes. Like when I was, you know, I played at NC State, we had a hundred guys on the team, and you're you know you're practicing you know, six days a week and, and you're, uh, you're, you're in competition for your job every week. You know, it's like, you know, it's a very competitive thing for an 18 year old kid to, to go into. And you really, you know, it's a, I would say it's sink or swim, but you know, most athletes, if you're bred that way, you're mentally bred that way, you know, you kind of rise to the challenge and you accept it in a more laid back atmosphere where you're practicing only a couple times a week. And there's, there's not really uh, an emphasis for winning. There's not a ton of guys after your job. It's a more kind of like laissez-faire attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to spur that type of competition. And uh, some programs in Europe do have that co- level of competition. They do have that amount of players on the team. There is that level of excitement. And it, I only see it growing since I was – I mean, it's 2021. I mean, I played in Europe 12 years ago. I see it only getting more and more uh, – competitive and the athletes getting better and better um so yeah i think that the future is really bright for for athletes and the level of play outside the country so when you started afi did you always intend for it to be kind of like a a news resource for american football around the world or was this kind of you maybe blogging about your experience and some of your thoughts about what the sport could be around around the globe I mean, while I was overseas, I did, I did write. I had like a little personal blog that I wrote about my experiences over there. Um, you know, just, that was just me being, you know, it, you know, trying to keep track of, of what was happening in my life and, and sharing it with my friends and family. I mean, this is like blog spot, like 2008. I mean, it's just amazing how far we've come and, and, and what was out there at the time, right. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say, the AFI, I was like, there's got to be a place where, you know, I, I would tell people I lived in Europe for three years and I played American football and they would be like, you played soccer. Like I, they thought I played soccer. And and I was like, no, 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 like American football. Like, and, and, and North Americans would have no clue that there was football overseas. And uh, I was like, how is that possible that like, 
because I knew that, you know, every team had two or three imports was what they called us. And, and there was hundreds of club teams outside the U S I'm like, why is this not like a bigger story and more people know about this? Um, and I, a lot of it is because there was no access to any news or information. And I knew that, you know, we're, we're a highlight media based culture, American, American culture. And we loved a good, you know, article or a good video clip. And, and there was great plays and great football happening outside of the U S but nowhere to find it. I mean, sometimes like teams would have their own websites and they do their own reporting or do their own press releases. And a lot of times it was on their languages or it was, it was piecemeal. It wasn't like, uh, uh, aggregated or curated in a way that was friendly to, you know, the casual fan or the casual American fan who's not going to know who the, you know, doesn't know who the Flash de la Cordova is, doesn't know who the Helsinki Roosters are and, and uh, needs a little bit more context behind it. So uh, the idea was to, to get something started that would kind of report on what I knew best at the time and uh, see where it took us. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what the what the impetus. It was news and information to start, and really, it's kind of where it's gone is is a result of the um, the uh, interest that I've seen from our users and our audience. Yeah, well, one thing that I really like about your site is how because you have every different country that has a presence in football at somewhere. You know, you you split it up by continent, and then you have the countries within. And, you know, last week I was reading an article about like the the girls in Morocco that want to start a football team, like a tackle football team. Um, and then, you you, know, you go into Czechoslovakia and Poland and you really have like this abundance of knowledge that every time I go on, I can like learn something new. And I think that's kind of lost in like in a lot of sports websites where, you know, I'm getting a lot of news, but I'm missing out on some of like the good journalism and human interest pieces that you don't find. And so the fact that I can find out about people in an entirely different culture that play a sport that I love, I think that's really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I have to give credit to my, my partner and our, my partner, Roger Kelly, who's a, who's a PR professional from, he was in, um, he lives in Sweden right now, but he was with the BC lions and he, he, I mean, he's like a, he is, he is the man. I mean, I'm lucky that I, that we ran into each other and that he wanted, had some interest in, in, in kind of what I had started with AFI. And, uh, I mean, he really is driving that, that voice and that interest and that our editorial team, which is like six guys that sit all over the world that are really passionate about, uh, the sport and these stories that, that you're like, even the Morocco and, in Spain and, and these players and these stories are, are, um, you know, what drives a lot of, you know, whether you're a scout or a fan or a recruiter or, you know, you, whether you live in Poland or you went to college with the guy who's now playing in Poland or, or, you know, you remember he lived in Hawaii and he, you know, I'm thinking about Ryan Tuasso who played in, uh, in, uh, Poland last year and what played at the university of Hawaii, you know, Basically, that that team, Roger and the editorial team, really are do a really great job of on human interest pieces and and uh, and sharing that story that story of international football with with our audience. Yeah, I agree completely. So, like, what were some of the growing pains for you while you were trying to get AFI off the ground? Well, you know, 
obviously, you know, working, you know, finding time, I think is always, is always an issue. You know, when you don't have, uh, when you have an idea, you're not sure how you're going to make money on it or if you're ever going to make money on it, or if it's a business or if it's a hobby or, you know, I, I didn't really think about any of that when I started, I just thought this is something I would want to read that didn't exist. So I'm going to make it. And then maybe other people will be interested. And, and then, you know, it's not like we are a, you know, we're a huge giant organization. We're, 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 we're still trying to figure things out every day. And, um, I mean, the growing pains, I would say have been just finding time and figuring out ways to, to figuring out the business. I, me personally, I'm not a digital media professional. Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know the first thing. I, that's not my background and I have a business and finance background. So I, I feel like I know how to run a business, but you know, what, the technical side of it, you know, you end up being the, the CFO, the CTO, the, you know, the chief marketing officer, the recruiter, like you basically do everything and, and, uh, try to, trying to learn all those different roles, you know, on nights and weekends. Um, and also, you know, that's, that's a tough thing. And then figuring out how to, how to make this a sustainable practice while also keeping our mission of, of benefiting not, you know, the audience and the teams and, 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 uh, and, and community that we, we try to serve, you know, this is not, you know, there are a lot of like camps and clinics and, and recruiting services that kind of feed on the, the poor athlete or the athlete who's trying to make it or the, the team that's trying to figure out how to like support, you know, they charge their players to play. It's, these are semi-pro amateur teams that that are trying to figure out how to stay afloat and how to, you know, live in the sports world. So we want to try to support them and give back to them and and promote them, not take from them. So trying to find that balance between supporting our community but also building a sustainable business model, um, I would say is probably been the most interesting path um, while also trying to grow at the same time and figure out, you know, how we can cover more. I mean, the world is large. There are a ton of teams. You know, how do we do it right and do it well? And then like, and also invest in our future. Like what's the next thing that we should be working on? What's going to bring a deeper, richer experience to our audience? Um, All these things I think about every day and, and, I try to move us forward, I guess, just, you know, one yard every day towards the goal where we want to be. Is most of your editorial staff uh, living overseas? They're all, I would say, yeah, I would say they're all, they're all overseas. They're not all, they're not all, some are Americans, Mm -hmm. but they're all, I think they're all overseas. Well, I mean, JC, one of our writers, lives in Canada, so I don't really call that overseas, but I think I'm actually the only currently living in the U.S. member of our team. Gotcha. So I'm curious from like a fan standpoint or like a consumer standpoint, because when you say that you played American football overseas and people kind of say, oh, wow, it's surprising. I didn't know. They kind of look at it as a novelty. But for some people, you know, they hear about it and they just kind of go on about their day and they never really think about it again. So like in terms of your business model, like how do you kind of market your site 
with the product of American football overseas and keep people interested in it enough for them to keep coming back and wanting to learn more. Because like you said, you're covering the entire world. So there's a lot that they can really invest their time into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think right now we are first, based on kind of what we know our community and our audiences, we kind of are currently serving a very, the very passionate uh, internet, international football fan who maybe has some extension, like a foot in the game, meaning they are, they are, they are already a coach or a player or did play or their, their son or father or relative played overseas. And that was kind of their introduction to the game outside the U S and, or we were, you know, we have a lot of media partners at, at bigger organizations that might share a story or retweet us or, or something that kind of gives us a little bit more attention. So, and and then obviously trying to optimize our social channels and our content that we put out and make sure that the content we do produce, and this is what I, this is my job is, is making sure that the content our editorial team produces, that it gets out to as many places as possible, you know, without, you know, you can obviously pay Google and WordPress and uh, Facebook a ton of money to, to push whatever you want out to the world. But, you know, there's a, where's your return on investment there and trying to figure all that out. Um, is really kind of what I've set up the site to be where, you know, right now I, because the site has been around for a while and it does have American football in the title of the, of the, of the business and of the domain, we tend to be highly ranked um, on Google. So when someone is searching anything about American football and another country, we tend to appear very highly in the ranking in the, in the results. And I credit this to one Google's algorithm, but two, our <laughs> persistence in in good content and and regular content. You know, we're putting out five to six original pieces a day, um, which is which is a quite a churn, and we have quite a a team put doing this. Uh, and so I think all those things together really have gotten us where we are thus far. And it's kind of it's been a very slow build. It's taken a while to figure a lot of this stuff out. Like I said, as not a as as not being a digital media professional, and not knowing what the audience is, there's not like there's an existing business model necessarily that I could like plug and play here. Um, so you know, we the marketing, the paid marketing that I have done is really around a large some of the larger events, AFI TV, really trying to build that audience and let people know that this new website that started last. Uh, August is is new and it, it exists and and this is what the fun, the function of it is to broadcast host and broadcast um, international live streams uh, and aggregate them in one place so they're easy to find um, and we also have the uh, the VOD library of these games to, on demand so anyone can come back and look at them um, but yeah I would say those are that's kind of where our efforts have lied to to ensure that what we're producing gets out to as many people as, as we can and we can keep growing our audience. I mean, at the end of the day, if, 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 you know, American football is still a niche product outside the United States. And I would still say 60% of our traffic is, you know, I wouldn't say it's, it's becoming more 50, 50, but it is, is us based, uh, audience. Mm. So it's we're serving that kind of U.S. based audience that's interested in the sport and and like finds it almost as a novelty or they have some kind of um, 
degree of relation to what's happening. And the other half is that player in Europe, that coach in Europe, that European audience that is re- that does read and know English. Um, and that's where the rest of them are. Now, is there like one country in particular that you really enjoy um, either covering or kind of learning more about the, the game and how it took root in that particular country? <laughs> it's, it's so funny. We did – there was an article that we work with uh, – this guy, Kevin Seifert at ESPN mm-hmm. did a article um, and we did a, we did some consulting work for the CFL while they're putting together their CFL 2.0 initiative around what are the top 10 markets for international football outside of the United States and Canada. Um, and this was based on, you know, uh, I mean, you can rank these things all types of ways. You can go purely by, you know, uh, registered members or, or the amount of clubs or, you know, the level of football, but, you know, or the potential population of the country versus how many people are already playing it. And, you know, I would say, you know, you have three of three of the top countries outside of Canada and the U.S. And we're gonna, I'm going to remove them from the equation. Um, because they already have fully professional leagues um, in existence and we don't concentrate necessarily on fully professional leagues um, are Mexico, Japan, and Germany, which mm-hmm. seems like a strange three that I would, I would say those are the three that are closest to being uh, fully professional leagues. Austria is right there too. Austria has a much smaller population, but the football is really great, and they have they have a the top four organizations, and ex, especially the top two in Austria are like, I mean, the Vienna Vikings and the and the Sparka Raiders are they have five camera TV productions. They're you know they have guys that are going straight to you know, NFL Pathway program out of their that have never played anywhere else, but in Austria, like these are legit athletes that are. That, that they're putting out and great football that they're putting together. But going back to the other three, I mean, Mexico, you know, they have a fully collegiate system that is on par with, you know, some of the U S schools and, and, but they haven't been able to figure out how to get a, a true professional league going. They've been working on it and there's been the LFA, which has kind of taken off a little bit. Um, but it's not, it hasn't, grabbed on on a professional level um in mexico as much japan has a totally different system they have fully sponsored teams where essentially you're an employee of the company if you play on their team like you play for the ibm big blue you actually work for ibm um and uh it's incredible the the system in the in the economy that they have set up around american football that's that's specific to japan it's it's so interesting and that league has been around and they have great, great football. They have a great college system there too. Oh yeah. And, and then you have Germany where just, you know, there's, there's 60,000 guys in Germany. There's 60,000 football players in Germany, you know, that are playing football, you know, on a semi-pro level and, and, and over like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of clubs and the pure volume and the pure energy behind the sport in Germany is, is really amazing. And the level of play really shows at the GFL and they've done it all in a club system without 
without a ton of money and a lot of grassroots organization, a lot of really local passion that that has produced some really, really great football. And it, it's been really amazing what they've been able to do um, without like, you know, not like the, not like the NFL, the NFL is a franchise based model. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, a, you know, a communist socialist model. Well, the club model in, in Germany is, uh, you know, more like, you know, the premier league in, in, uh, in the, the UK, it's a completely different system. Um, so I, you know, sorry, I keep making your questions really, my answer's really long, but I would say those three countries are like, there's some really exciting potential there. But then you go to Brazil and like Brazil, you know, just a, a country bursting with athletes that, mm-hmm. that, you know, could play anywhere, but who knows, you know, they keep trying to get leagues started up and they fold and then they're hurt, now they're getting hit really bad by COVID. They haven't played football in like two years in Brazil. But the amount of athletes and the how sports crazy that culture is, it's the perfect bar f- market for American football. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I mean, coming from like, uh, you know, Brazilian jiu jitsu and stuff like that. They're definitely a culture that embraces like the physicality of sports, too. Like I was listening to um, it's a coaching podcast called Run the Power, and they just had a a coach from Brazil who had come and did, I think, like an internship with um at Baylor University and then he went back to Brazil and is coaching college football now and it's just amazing that you can see where like the enthusiasm is there and even the programs that don't have you know shoulder pads and helmets and equipment they play beach football and they have like championship circuits set up around that and that's cool in and of itself you know I would love to see some organized uh, maybe not a, a league but some organized style player tournament with just beach football I think that's kind of the beauty about trying these games all around the world where even if they don't have the resources to fully commit to football, they can find some variation that fits them. Yeah. And it it just goes to show you, like if they did have the the money to like put behind like a real game, like the athletes are there, the, the passion is there, you know, and the audience is probably there too. And it's just, uh, you know, maybe the magic confluence of events hasn't happened yet or the right people haven't been in charge or, you know, or the right system and organization hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, maintained yet. But I mean, the potential for it uh, to have football exported there and successful is is very much alive. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just time, too, because it's like with Japan. I mean, football has been played there since like the 30s in some form or another. Yeah. So it's always it's always like you kind of try to compare that I'm not sure Mexico, I think was the early 1900s too. So it's always like you compare countries, but I guess a lot of it is just time and letting it pass on in some form generationally. Yeah. And they've had the, the like you said, like those, those collegiate leagues are, are ancient. They're not like new systems. Like these are these, they, they've had these, these colleges have been playing football for a really long time and they have very established systems that kind of work for what they have. Now they might be also limiting themselves a little bit, by those systems, but they've been protected. And like you said, time has allowed the game to be established to where it is so far. And not saying that every league needs to have an NFL, every country needs to have an NFL. That's not like what I see. I don't see like there being global franchises of the NFL in every country in the world. I just think that, you know, uh, the world of American football, you know, it is uh, yeah, it, American. America is in the name, but it goes back to the point I was saying earlier is that like there's nothing 
you know, there's no, uh, there's nothing exclusive about talent and uh, about passion. And I think right now it, the world is, the world is large, larger than, you know, and the internet does make it smaller, but there's got, there's a way that basically AFI wants to be the connective tissue mm-hmm. or that exporting and importing of the sport to other, other places. Now too, but to that point about like uh, yeah, college programs and, um like professionalism do you think if the game were to take off globally that it would come in the form maybe not professional football but in some form of like postgraduate league or do you think that if it were to really expand all over it would be through like universities kind of embracing the sport yeah i don't think there's one answer that's going to apply everywhere because each each country is kind of like um you know, uh, education systems and, and sporting systems are set up completely different. You know, like I said, like they don't have universities in other countries that in most European countries that can support There's just, there's no sports program at like most colleges in Europe. You go to, you go to school, you go to college to like learn a trade or a profession or a skill, but you don't, you're not playing sports there. And, uh, the club system has kind of really dominated that. Not to say, I mean, and that's not, that's not, that doesn't apply to every single situation. Like the Vienna Vikings has their own academy. There's a, a couple academies in, um, in the UK that have, and they, the UK has a university, kind of a small university program. Um, I know that in Germany that there are high schools, you know, some of them are former or, or current, uh, United States Armed Forces. Mm-hmm. Um, schools that are you know are in germany that they do have teams and they do play leagues they do play each other these teams that are high school or collegiate level so you know i'm not going to pretend that i know the answer to like how football is going to best grow you know universally but what i do know is that you know there should be an opportunity for you know whether you're a, a 14 or 15 year old kid you know, in the Philippines or you're in Brazil or you're in Austria or you're in Finland. Like if you have the passion and the potential and the talent to go play football somewhere, you don't necessarily have to like go to a U.S. prep school or go to U.S. college or get a scholarship and do that traditional route. There are academies and schools and university programs or just club level programs all over the world in all these different countries and, and people aren't aware of them. So again, I think it goes back to us trying to be that connective tissue on promoting and um, and uh, supporting a lot of these teams' initiatives and programs that not only a lot of them are, were designed to kind of to like I could speak in the in the Vienna Vikings um, circumstances where you know their that academy is for their club like for their, their players, but they're not it's not like they're turning away other guys who want to come learn football at their academy no i mean it's this is it's a great program with with that you could move up internally in the program or you can learn football and leave and go play somewhere else and i think that economy is already started in europe that uh, that people you know we see i see it every day because we follow these players and these coaches they're moving around from team to team you know season to season you know country to country 
and that and they're not just Americans or North Americans. They're Europeans that want that, you know, that mm-hmm. guy, you know, a guy who's playing. He might be uh, he might be from the Czech Republic, but you know what? He can go play in Germany and they'll, they'll give him an apartment and, and a salary. And and when that season's over, he'll go to Spain and then he'll go to Italy. And like he can play. People can almost play year round and, and jump around and play in these different leagues. And they don't have to be Americans. And I think that economy can apply to to country to to not just within Europe, but if you want to go to Australia or if you're a Brazilian and you want to go play in Europe or you're a Canadian, you know, like there it, there really is potential for a lot of um, you know cross border uh, you know movement by these guys, and they keep their athletic careers going. They're, they learn more about football. And if their ultimate end goal is to get, you know, uh, noticed by, uh, you know, whether it's an NFL team or, you know, the new European League of Football or, you know, the German Football League, which is, you know, the top levels, you know, outside that's currently playing, you know, the way they're going to get noticed is by getting their film, getting seen online, getting media pushed out about them and, you know, AFI covering them. And, and that's what we want to do. Do you is there one particular market that you can one day see American football being the most popular sport in the country, specifically through participation? Obviously, you can measure that in different ways, uh, but you know, participation or even viewership. You mean like a country that where another sport is more dominant, and then American football could be more dominant? Right. Yeah, I mean that's a. Obviously, soccer is, is is the world's most popular sport, and you know, I, living in Europe, I I experience I experience that firsthand. I don't necessarily think that like, I don't think it's not. I don't think there's a nat. I'm not saying there's a competition necessarily between like America in order for American football to succeed, other kind other sports need to fail. I don't necessarily think that needs to happen. I just uh, I think there needs to be more exposure to the game in places where the rules might be unfamiliar and, you know, more members in the system. I mean, it would be really hard to say that like American football is going to be more popular in Mexico or Germany than soccer is like, cause those are soccer crazy countries. I, I don't really see them overtaking them. Um, I am a fan of Australian rules, football and rugby, but you know, I think, those are contact sports and they're very central to those, those cultures too. I mean, that's a really hard question to answer. I'm just going back and thinking through some of the countries where, uh, where it could be more popular one day. It's interesting in, in like the Scandinavian countries and, and in Finland, they're small countries and their ice hockey is the number one sport in Finland. Um, but like, you know, you're talking about there's five million people in the entire country. So, you know, I don't know. And this and football actually has a pretty if if you were to weigh the amount of people versus the popularity of the sport, football is actually pretty high on the scale in Finland. OK, um, like I would say it might be like the third most popular sport. It might be in the top five in Finland, which is actually pretty impressive yeah. for the sport. Um, yeah, that's a really tough question. I'd really have to think about that. What would, what would be where it would be the number like the top sport in that country? Do you think, regardless of where it would happen, it would have to maybe not come from the success of 
someone going to the NFL from that country. But do you think that it would be someone that has like that breakthrough that, you know, say if someone came, you know, from Mexico that, you know, grew up in Mexico, went to an American university and really became uh, maybe not a dominant player, but someone who was successful, someone who could become sort of like this pop pop culture icon in America. That do you think American football would rise or the same thing from Japan or, you know, Finland or anything like that? Do you think someone breaking into the NFL from that country would really kind of at least push in the right direction towards that goal? A hundred percent. I think that's, I think that's what the NFL, that's basically what the NFL's model, that's what the NBA's model was and, and still is. And that's kind of what has made the NBA such a, a global sport is, is the ability to kind of, you know, bring in so many international athletes to the NBA and then, then bring the sport back to their country and increase the popularity of the NBA in those countries. And that's exactly what the NFL's model is, is, is currently, and that's what they're doing with the International Pathway Program, which is find international athletes that can compete at the NFL level and have those players be ambassadors for the NFL in those markets. I mean, there is one thing I like to be careful about is that the NFL as dominant of a league it is and as great as they are. And, and, and I'm an NFL fan and, and I love what they're, I, I love what, you know, I love the NFL, you know, no questions asked, but what the NFL is doing is exporting the NFL. They're not exporting American football. Like, yeah. And they might, they might seem like one in the same sometimes. And they are for the most part when you watch when, when, cause that is the best product that you are going to see for, for a very long time in the future. You know, you, the NFL is always going to be the top product of American football. So, and that's what should be shown in other places. Cause you want to see the best thing that's happening. And that is what's helping the sport grow in other places. However, you know, the NFL, when the NFL goes to Germany and they put their games on TV, they're not like, they're not sending money to Germany to make the game better there. You know, they're not like, they're not investing in, in uh, youth programs. They're not giving the GFL money. You know, there's no like, you know, there's no like practical uh, grassroots, grassroots sports development being done by the NFL in those countries. You know, they might be doing it as a pass through based on the media that they're putting out. But it's it's a very business decision, which it should be. I don't, I'm not disagreeing with it. Um, I think one thing that, uh, but you know, back to your question about the players and and in 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 these markets, is that, you know, the, I don't know if there's a critical mass point where like there's enough international players where all of a sudden it's more popular in these countries, or if it's more of a um, you know, an exposure standpoint where like if enough of these players are become stars in the NFL and they're therefore, you know, uh, and I'm trying to think of like, who's the most popular, you know, there, there hasn't really been a Tony Parker or a, or a Dirk Nowitzki or a Yao Ming, you know, in the NFL yeah. yet, you know, there have been great players that have been foreign players in the NFL. Um, but there hasn't been like, there's no, you know, Tom Brady is, is, is a red blood American. Like there's not going to, there hasn't been a Tom Brady who's from Germany and, but there might be, and there's a, you know, there's a guy from Germany who played at Texas Christian, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of guys, you know, the, who, who could be that guy. And maybe that's what it will take for there to be a tipping point or some kind of, uh, you know, level where the sport really takes off. And, and 
escalates it to the top of that country's kind of like sporting list. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the NBA has done a really good job uh, doing that. That you know they did it back in the '90s, and now the the NBA is a ubiquitous brand and synonymous synonymous with basketball everywhere you go. Um, football does not look quite that way in my opinion, um, because most of these international organizations that we deal with and we work with, you know, they are huge NFL fans. They love the NFL, but they're not seeing the NFL like in their country doing anything to help. I don't want to say to help them, but to, to kind of, um, to, to, Give them the resources. Yeah, give them the resources, and I don't think that's necessarily the 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 NFL's responsibility. Right. Um, but and maybe that's because that tipping point hasn't happened yet with these players. Maybe the sport hasn't risen to the point where the uh, local culture and economy and governments, you know, have invested in the sport um, on a level because they haven't seen it as popular. Yeah, I, I do kind of have that same thought. Like, is football really, you know, and wherever the NFL is broadcasted, is football really registering registering with the audience, or is it just like the Americana of it? You know, the same way that people like Marvel movies, or they like, you know, they you know they do like basketball, but they also like, you know, the, the players specifically. You know, like when I was a, I, I did a summer session at UCLA, and two of my roommates were from China. And they gave themselves American names and one of them named himself Steph after Steph Curry. <laughs> so it, to me, it just shows that I think it's the American pop culture that may draw the interest to the NFL, but maybe not completely to the sport of football. Yeah, you know, They may like it's kind of like the highlight culture you were talking about. They may like the highlight and the big hit, but not necessarily the complexity of the game. If right. That makes sense. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with 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 that. And I. I think that's part of what, you know, the Americana of the sport, you know, the the flash and glam and the highlight thing. I mean, football is kind of built for is built for that culture and that that mm-hmm. kind of, that type of media. And the NFL and, you know, the NCAA and all they I mean, they do not shy away from it. I mean, that is that is fully embraced and 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 the, the game's rules and and the the media around the game have been developed in a way to 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 optimize that that those features and that definitely appeals to other people i mean i, I don't I, I i as far as i can remember myself personally like i've always been much more interested in the game because i played it and i was part of it like as a kid i would my dad played it you know like i used to watch you know the giants on sundays with my grandpa when i was you know five six years old so like it's always been a a family experience that I always like wanted to know more and more about. And so that gave me a level of passion about the game itself. You know, the, the more technical aspects of the game and like, you know, play calling and being a critic, you know, as, as, as the best fans are, we're also the best critics. And I don't know if that level of passion is like something that, that a fan, you know, gains over time and that the more kind of casual Americana fan will never grasp onto. Mm-hmm. And I think the bridge that the bridge that that the guys who are playing the game in other countries and coaching the game and supporting these teams, they are really building that base in those other countries because they're almost those guys are already 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 
the most passionate NFL fans in those countries. Mm-hmm. And that's because they, they know the ins and outs of the games. They know the technical aspects. They know they watch the NFL and, you know, they, they admire great coaches and, 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 and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think that, that, that more casual Americana fan, um, is a result of the more passionate fans. Yeah. It seems to me like, I think, I think it still has to kind of go back to the success of a homegrown talent going on to play in the NFL, because I feel like when you cross that threshold, I think that's when you can really take a personal interest in it from that point. You know, obviously like, I mean, I watch a lot of Japanese football and to me, like, I, I think realistically, you could have someone that goes in that into the NFL and plays like the role of like a Danny Woodhead, you know, back when he was with the Patriots or, you know, sort of like that scat back role in, in some sense, which, you know, in today's game, you could certainly make a big impact that way. So yeah. I, I really think that that sort of that bridge can be broken just from someone crossing that threshold. And then because even like when you look at now, when you watch the uh, game over and uh, the UK when the NFL goes over there you see everybody dressed in different jerseys you know it's more like it's more of like a celebration I guess in a way than actual interest in the product on the field yeah it's it's a it's like a cultural event as opposed to uh you know uh you know just being like you know fans passionate about like you know their team and uh but when you go to a a Schwabish Hall Unicorns game or a Braunschweig New Yorker Lions game like you know, there might you might see some NFL jerseys in the crowd, but for the most part, you're seeing passionate, interested American football fans who know about their their team, their German team, and they also probably know about all the NFL, their the NFL, the NFL team. It's not like your your passions start for American football starts and stops, you know, with a jersey or a t- or the team you you favor, like. You know, it kind of extends out into the universe of the sport. You know, I, at least that's how I watch football. Like, you know, I I grew up as a little kid. I watched the Giants fan, uh, Giants, but now it's it's taken me to <laughs> to be interested in football, basically in every country in the world. And I'm not saying that's every fan, but you know, you know, yeah, maybe some fans just watch their team on Sundays and that's it, and they turn off the TV. But I think they're the whole now 24 cycle news, the 24 hour news cycle around. Mm-hmm. sports and and you know the superstars of the game you know i want i watched i watched a lot of football games tom brady was in because i was interested in seeing how he was going to do with with the bucks last year like you know and i'm not a bucks fan and i think that's what the nfl counts on you know and i think the same thing can apply to to you know right now uh, do you do you know who moritz bowringer is no he was um in back, I think it was 2016. He was drafted by the Vikings, straight out of a uh, German team. Okay. He uh, he was drafted in the NFL draft in like the fifth round. I mean, kid had incredible numbers. They did like a little pro day and just drafted him based on those numbers. The first, I think, European to never go, never never played down a football in the U.S. and got drafted in the NFL draft. Anyway. He was with the Vikings, I think, for two seasons on the practice squad, and was with the with the Bengals for a season. Um, never made it. I mean, he made it on the field, I think, in some preseason games or some, uh, but never like you know was never a guy guy on a team. Great athlete, great football player. Um, 
but now he's back in Germany. He just went back and he's playing uh, with back with the Schwabish Hall Unicorns uh, this coming season. Their first game is on Friday. They, they play the Ravensburg uh, Razorbacks on Friday, and it'll be his first game back in the GFL since 2015. But anyway, there's a, there's a story there behind this guy. He's a great athlete. He was good enough to be recognized by an NFL team, didn't make it. But a guy like that, you know, that's a story that's going to pull guy. People know him in Germany. Mm-hmm. They know he's now with this team in Germany. Are they going to tune in to watch that game on uh, on Friday on the on national TV in, in Germany? Maybe maybe that does bring them to the TV to watch the game and and uh, you know and and from there it's up to the teams and the league to put on a good product that people are going to want to return to watch. And I think that's that's the challenge now is like okay, how do we put on a good product week after week? Um, to show that like, you know, our game is good and uh, you should tune in to watch it. Doesn't the NFL have a program where they take athletes from like rugby, Australian rules football and put them through like this uh, pipeline system where they teach them American football. And do, do you know anything about that? Yeah, we've, um, I'm good. You know, I've become friends with uh, Damani Leach and, uh, and Will Bryce and uh, Aiden Dirt and, you know, and, you know, I don't know OC Humanura personally, but I know he's kind of, you know, was in charge of that uh, project originally. Um, but, uh, you know, mostly Will I've, I've spoke with about, you know, they, it's called the uh, NFL's International Pathway, uh, International Player Pathway Program, IPPP. And, uh, you know, they scour the globe for athletes because, you know, they believe the same thing that they, they don't think, you know, they're, they're not necessarily looking for a guy who like has a ton of football experience, but if he's got the physicality and the, and the, you know, the physique and, and the, and the intelligence to pick up the game, you know, they see that as, as a way to, to bring the game uh, to new places um, through these players. And that program has been around four or five years now. And every year I think they find like, it's not a huge class. I think they, they like scout, maybe they narrow a group down to 10 guys. Then they pick five of them. And then each year, one division of the, um, of the NFL, one division is kind of selected and each team, you know, quote unquote drafts one of these guys to their squad. And it doesn't count against the team, the team's, um, uh, roster count or, uh, uh, practice practice player count and they get to keep the guy and kind of develop him for the season. And this past year, last year it was the, um, the NFC East and they picked up Sandro Platzgumer, who was a, who was a running back for the Sporka Raiders. And, uh, he was there last year and he's there this year again. Um, yeah. And this, and this year they, they got a guy from, uh, Sammy Reyes. He was a basketball player to Lane He's Chilean, um, but I mean this guy is yoked. Like you should see. I don't know if you've seen any photos of him, but like, mm-hmm. like this guy looks like he, he, he you know, he, he's he's yeah, he's he's jacked, and he's a tight end. Um, you know, never played a down football in his life, and now he's. I can't I can't remember which team he ended up uh, signing. Oh, it was the Redskins. Well, not the Redskins. The Washington Football Team. Yeah. <laughs> The Washington football team signed him to a contract before the draft, so he couldn't get drafted. Um, that was a big story for for us, and 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 a good story for the NFL that this guy's got an NFL contract and never played a down of football. 
Um, uh, but yeah, they've done, I, there's, I think there's five players this year and they're from like Mexico. There's a guy from Italy. Um, there's a guy from, uh, Austria, tight end from Austria. And this, um, uh, this tight end from, um, Chile, I think it was the NFC West this year. Yeah. Cause it was the Rams. The Rams got, um, Max Percher, who's an offensive lineman from Italy, the um, the uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. This sounds like it would be like a good almost reality show or like a YouTube show for the yeah. NFL. I'm kind of surprised they haven't done anything with that yet, or maybe they have. I just haven't seen it, but I figured this would be a prime opportunity. There's a couple video assets that I've seen. Um, I don't. I think they're. I think there's more that aren't released necessarily. I don't know if it's in that, you know, yeah. I think it's a reality show format, but I know that these guys all, all live together in, in Florida and trained for this. Um, and there is some, dig, I, there is some stuff I've seen. I don't know how, how public it is or not, but um, yeah, that would be a really interesting story to see these guys from around the world come together, live in a house, train, and then get picked up by NFL teams. Yeah. What's the most exotic uh, location that you've seen American football played? Uh, exotic. Um, uh, I, mean, like I saw you had, I saw they had football like on the Ivory Coast. So is there anything that would surpass that? Yeah. I, I, I know that, I mean, there's been a game in the Philippines. Years ago, there was a game in the Philippines and like there was this, I don't know if you're familiar with IFAF. IFAF is technically the the international mm-hmm. federation that governs the sport, and uh, yeah. you know they before there was all you know there was some controversy, and so they've had some kind of uh, governing turmoil in the past decade. But um, prior to the 2014 uh, World Championships, there was there was some international qualifying, and you know for the Asian representative. Um, I think the, there was, there was qualifying games happening between a team from Korea that went to the Philippines, I think. And like, I, I, we covered it and we watched some, some, we saw some photos of the game, but it's just crazy to think right now that there was organized American football and on an international level level being played in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, neither of those teams end up making it to the, to the world championships, but it just, I, I thought that was very interesting. I know that there's a lot of we we end up being kind of, um, uh, we get reached out to, I get reached out to by a lot of, um, organizations looking for help on how to organ, organ, organ uh, organize their, you know, their, their infrastructure, you know, We've had people from Uganda and South Africa and Yemen and like places all over the world where like, oh, we, we I, I'm interested in American football and I live in this country. Like, what can, is there an organization where I live or can I start one and help me register? Help me start an organization um, and register it with IFAF or, and, and like, uh, or they want, they are registered with IFAF, but they want more promotion or they want support or that, you know, it, it's, it's crazy the scope and amount of, of inquiries we get um, inbound from a lot of these um, international leagues. And I keep a, I get my, uh, you know, my Gmail. I 
I get ridiculous amount of emails on AFI every day, my AFI Gmail. And I have a tab where I tag each by country that I receive it from. So in case I want to go back and like find out, okay, who did I talk to from like Uganda or who did I talk to from Tanzania or who did I talk to from Pakistan? Like I can go because like some for the most part, I I wish I had more bandwidth and I had better um, insight for a lot of these guys because but you know I'm not I'm we are not the International Federation of of football of of American football. Um, so I, I can't offer a ton of, of, of resource. I can point them in the right direction, but I can't have a, t- a ton of support personally besides like writing about them and then and giving them exposure, which we do oftentimes. Like you read about women's football in Morocco. Like who, where else would you have read that? You know, if we didn't cover it. That's got to give you a big sense of fulfillment, though, because, I mean, you've always have, you know, strive to expand football's global footprint and then you have people that are contacting you about how do they get their own league started and even though you know you're not organizing the leagues you're pointing them in the right direction and giving that publicity so i feel like you have to believe that what you're doing is actually making a difference the way you intended it to i think so i i, I wish i could do more i wish you know i wish we could we could help these teams in ways that they really need it and like you know sometimes it's fundraising sometimes it's promotion sometimes it's organization but you know, like, again, our resources are, are limited as much as anyone else's, you know, sometimes. And, and you know, I'd like I sometimes I wish. I I think one day maybe we can be in a position to, like, do more with these things and like and take advantage of, of some of these circumstances where uh, we can help these teams and, and these these. Uh, administrators or these other passionate American football fans in these places that are more exotic. Um, You know, I would love to, I would love to, you know, do something in Africa or do something in, you know, the, the, you know, the Middle East or, or, um, you know, Southeast Asia or, you know, Russia, you know, South America, even like there's a lot of emerging markets that like there are great athletes. There is passionate American football people, you know, fans, um, but maybe their density and volume isn't to the point where it makes sense to, to really invest, you know, there yet. And, uh, but I, you know, that who's to say that there won't be one day, you know? Yeah. Now, like for the future of AFI and trying to expand international football's presence in the U S like, what are some of the next steps that you want to take to continue that mission? You know, what do you have on your laundry list that you want to take care of and expand on? So we've been we were we're really close to to launching basically a new website um, which I've been working on for quite some time. What that has a more um, I don't want to call it a platform, but there's more um, there'll be more a lot more depth of uh, of coverage where um, you know to date AFI has really been mostly uh, you know a, a news magazine. Uh, you know it's been it's kind of when someone visits our website, they read an article and then they leave. Um, and, and that's, that's not a horrible thing. It's just, I feel like there's a much richer experience that we could provide. Um, but obviously to do that, you need to invest in, in design and technology to, to do that. And up to this point, we hadn't been able to do that. Um, but you know, it's been a long project probably over the last 18 months where, uh, we've built a new website and um, we're going to launch hopefully in the next couple months. Uh, I would like to do it within the next month. Um, 
that will provide a much richer experience for for our audience and our users, but still be familiar in a way uh, that people recognize AFI now. Um, so that's kind of the biggest project um, that's not launched yet. Um, beyond that, the what takes up a lot of my time is is AFI TV and really kind of getting that going. Um, like I said, we just started that last August. We're onboarding new leagues and new teams. We just onboarded uh, the GFL, which is starting on Friday. Uh, you know, they have they have 14 teams in the GFL and there's, um, you know, they play through October. So th there's quite a few games. There's something like 80, 80 regular season games this year. So to get the infrastructure set up for that where we can, you know, have AFI TV, AFI.TV as our um, live stream site that's going to be able to support and broadcast out those 80 games for the GFL on top of the the agreements and broadcasting that we're doing for Austria, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, you know, um, which are all leagues that either haven't started yet or will be starting shortly. Um, there's a lot going on there to kind of keep that coordinated and uh, build our build our uh, user base up, which is just past 10,000 registered users on AFI TV. And we're really excited because I think that's a really important part of of um, growing the sport um, is providing access and um, to those live streams because that is the pro that is the product. And, you know, the consumer and the market is going to ultimately judge, you know, what they want to watch and what they're going to see. And and I think that uh, a lot of these teams are putting together really great products, really great teams and games. And there's some great, interesting footage and highlights. And they're, they're doing some really great productions. And why not try to get those productions in front of the largest possible audience you can get them? Um, and, we're, and we're figuring out ways where we can make that, <clears throat> that live streaming model sustainable and to bring more um, advertising dollars that to those streams to show the teams that listen there is you know there is a uh, a revenue model around your live streams you know if we can get you know 10,000 people watching your game on AFI TV you know and that's just now like if we can get these guys watching your games and you put together a good product and and there's a uh, an American company or any international company that's interested in in uh, sponsorship or, or ad placement or display ads or even you know physical advertising around these games you know there's an and there's an audience there I mean that's 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 what advertising is and that's what that's how the NFL is a billion dollar business is because they have millions and millions of people watching having their eyeballs on that on those games and on their players. And, and there's really big money there. Um, and not saying that money's the end all be all, but money is what's, it, it is what makes the NFL so popular and, and makes, and will be able to uh, support the infrastructure that a lot of these international teams need to not only survive, but to, but to grow. So we want to partner with these teams and, and and these clubs and and players and coaches around the world, so that the best product is is out there and that we can show off all of these all the great work that these international teams and players and coaches are 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 doing because there is a lot of great football out there. It just people just need to know it's it's out there. 
Yeah. Do you have any ideas or plans to launch like um, an app for like Fire Stick TV or Apple TV to watch like IF, um, AFI TV to watch these on Fire Stick or anything like that? Yeah, I have to. I know. So right now, our technology partner, um, we are there's Chromecast enabled. I'll have to. I have to ask about that. That basically, I, I don't have Fire Stick or, or Amazon Fire. Is it? It's something basically that allows us to to broadcast inside of Amazon. Correct. Yeah, basically you download the app and then you can just access it directly from there and then you can watch it. And I have a Fire Stick, so I plug it into the back of my TV and so I can watch it from my television. But obviously, you know, you can just go on the website and download the app and you can watch it from there. Huh. Yeah, I'll have to ask our our, our technology team and get that on the list of, of the developers list of saying how we can be Fire Stick enabled for, for that too. Because, yeah, I mean, the idea is to kind of be as accessible to to anyone and, and – um, you know what whether you obviously cr- crouching over your phone i mean or or your laptop isn't the best way of ex- football experience all the time so yeah we want to make sure that we can get people uh to watch as many uh games as as we in the best format that we can do it it's it's funny sometimes you know we have i think i on i think this saturday we'll have four games going at once and so, like, I have two laptops. I'll have one lap, two like one lap, two laptops open, and then I'll be I'll be uh, casting the other one on my TV and trying to like watch as much football as I can. It could be it's fun, but it, it could be hectic too. Yeah, it's like watching like an international football for red zone, like red zone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I I think there'd be a lot of opportunities, man. I mean, even like doing games like I know USA football every few years has like championship games between like team Japan and team USA. They have like that. So that might even be an avenue um, down the road too. Yeah. They USA football. Yeah. They were doing the, um, they do it in Texas every year. Uh, they do an international bowl kind of like tourney where, yeah, they have like, they put together a world team and, um, I think some Canada had their own, I think it was like team Canada, team USA, and there was like a world team and they do a little kind of uh scrimmage series. And a lot of that was IFAF sponsored, which, you know, and team U- and USA football sponsored. And actually that USA football money came from the NFL because the NFL is a partner with them. Yeah. Because the USA football is technically a nonprofit, like, um, you know, they accept funding through the, the NFL used to fund, they don't do so much anymore. Actually, the NFL used to fund a lot of those events through USA football and then USA football would be able to, to put on events like that. So it was, it was separate from the NFL. Um, and USA football is technically the United States governing body of American football. Surprisingly, it's not the NFL. Um, but because it has to be a, technically a nonprofit organization and the NFL is not, is not a nonprofit. It's yeah. A, right. The irony. Yeah. All right, man. Well, do you want to tell people where they can find AFI on social media so they can follow and get updates on what games are being played and when new articles are posted? Yeah. I mean, you can follow, uh, follow us on uh, Instagram at AFI underscore review on, tw- on Twitter at AFI underscore review. Um, that's kind of where we're most active. Obviously we're on Facebook, you know, American football international on Facebook is, is probably one of our most popular international channels, social channels. And then the website, you know, that is the business at the end of the day is uh, www or American football international.com. Um, and then uh, AFI TV. I mean, all of our articles 
about the games on AmericaFootballInternational.com and on our social media channels. We'll link to AFI.tv. Um, AFI.tv is specifically our live streaming platform that uh, that you can go and watch. I think we have nine games or eight games this weekend. Um, and we're probably going to have at least eight games every weekend for the entire summer. Uh, we have the GFL is super exciting. You know, that that's the big game, big league that's starting up. And we're really happy to partner with them on getting their 14 team league out to as many teams as, uh, as viewers as possible. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, we have Finland starting. Finland has always been, you know, they they punch above their weight and they always put on great. I think it's a six team league this year. Um, you know, I played in Finland. I might be a little partial to it. It's mm. it's 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 surprisingly good football. I don't want to say surprisingly, but it's it's it is good football. And they have great international players that go play in Finland. They have a lot of really great local players. That league is really fun to watch. Um, and then, uh, yeah, unfortunately, France's season was canceled. That's where I played in France, too. Um, they were not over COVID. They, their league usually starts in January and February, and they just weren't able to get a, get, get something to going because COVID was still affecting uh, the country so badly. But, um, yeah, Germany and, and the Scandinavian countries, uh, Sweden, uh, Sweden, Denmark, um, Finland, will have a lot of football on this uh, summer. So come to, come to AFI.tv and AmericaFootballInternational.com to watch those. Cool, man. Dude, I'm glad you uh, came on the show. I had a great time talking to you. I'm really optimistic about what you guys are doing. And hopefully we can see football really take off in the coming years around the world. Aaron, I appreciate it. I mean, we, you know, it's always fun to, to talk to someone who's interested in it and, and, and kind of take a deep dive. And, and, and... 